Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the PDX Executive Podcast. Excited to be back. Excited to have my next guest on for the second time, Mac Pritchard. Uh, He's the host of the Find Your Dream Job podcast and founder of Pritchard Communications. Mac, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Dan. So, you know, I was was telling you before, uh, when I first reached out to you, I originally wanted to have this podcast be all about nerding out about podcast, (laughs) but uh, we'll we'll get into a couple other things. But um, I guess we'll start there is when I reached out to you, uh, you were going to a podcast summit in LA. I think it was podcast movement. Is that right? That's correct. It's a national conference that brings podcasters together. I think this was the sixth year in a row it's met. And this event was a little different in that it focused on people who work in the podcast industry and what the conference called uh, professional podcasters. There's now a new event brought by the same people that's going to happen later in the year in Dallas in the summer it was scheduled for that's aimed uh, at beginner podcasters and people who enjoy podcasting as a hobby. So there's a kind of division in the uh, in the conference offerings. And I think it's a reflection of, of the changes that are happening in podcasting overall. Yeah. And I know that one of the emphasis on the, the conference, or maybe it's the one in Dallas, is just about internal and just kind of corporate podcasts. And that's where I was more I've seen growth and I'm interested to get your perspective of, you know, going to these things, but hearing from other companies and I do some work in the space is how can companies or how are companies utilizing podcasts just for like engagement of their employees and on internally, or just, you know, as a branding play, I think that world has exploded and, you know, folks are catching on to it, even though, you know, like, you know, podcasts have been around a long time. So uh, yeah, I'd love to, you know, get your, you just kind of recap of some things you may have learned down there about that or, or insights. Absolutely. I, I would say I, there are a lot of parallels between podcasting today and blogging 10 or 15 years ago. And I know you've been doing this work for a while now, Dan. So you remember in the early 2000s when a blog was a novelty and yeah. organizations, companies, um, uh, public agencies were trying to figure out their their blog strategy. What should they do? Was it uh, a way to communicate with people inside the organization with customers and prospects uh, or uh, connect with uh, supporters in the community? And it, it took a while to sort that out. But when you think 
back about those events 15, 16 years ago, blogging was something that happened separately from uh, an organization's existing communication strategy. And now it's just part of how employers, companies, and, and agencies do business. They you don't have a separate blogger. Blogging has just become part of what marketers and salespeople and communicators do. And I think the same thing is happening now with podcasting. And, uh, and so uh, there is certainly a, a lot of it. I, I hear from clients at our public relations firm uh, at Pritchard Communications, we'd like to do a podcast. Just as I used to hear uh, more than a decade ago, we need a blog. And then right. you, but if you step back and you talk to the client uh, about why uh, that might be necessary, you start that conversation by figuring out what the client's goals are. And if it's a uh, an employer who wants to improve internal communication, they might've thought, oh, we need a blog to talk to our employees 15 years ago. Well, you start with a goal and you work back from there and a blog might might have been part of the answer and a podcast might be part of the answer now, but the fundamentals haven't changed, Dan. You got to think mm -hmm. about the audiences you want to reach, the messages you want to communicate, and ultimately the goals you want to accomplish. And in many instances, when you have that strategic conversation, podcasting may be part of the of the strategy that you choose, but sometimes, often it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as like the podcast industry, like, you know, it started initially as <laughs> you got people in their basement, you know, riffing on something and now it's gotten a lot more professionalized. So when you were at this conference and other people from around the country, you know, came to it and you've been going for uh, several years, it sounds like what's the profile of the people now you're seeing at these kind of industry things? Is it is it more quote unquote professionalized versus like hobbyist or I'm, I'm curious. It's a great question. And it's striking because I did go to my first podcast movement conference in Chicago uh, five years ago now. And at that event, you saw a lot of people who were thinking about starting a show either mm -hmm. because uh, they wanted to use a program to market a business or, or sell a product or, Often they were just hobbyists. They were people who were enthusiastic about uh, an idea or an area or subject. And there were some professionals, but they largely came from uh, public radio and and some commercial commercial people. Mm -hmm. uh, what was striking at this conference, in part, I think, because it was in Los Angeles, uh, were the number of people from entertainment companies. You know, you could mm. sit down and talk to people from Sony and. Uh, and uh, other recording uh, uh, co companies, and they're setting up podcasting divisions and uh, looking right. for talent. Uh, there were fewer public radio people at this event, I think perhaps uh, because of the uh, because of, of of the location, but certainly that's still a big part of the professional world of podcasting. And I think in by design, because this event fo focused on what uh, the organizers called professional podcastings, podcasters rather, there were uh, people like me who use podcasting to in their business uh, to right. both grow the business and connect with customers and the communities we serve. 
What are some of the things that, you know, you've, I forget how long you've been doing your show again? It'll be five years in October. So every week uh, we publish uh, a new episode every Wednesday. Yeah. And I feel like I, I just got over the hundred episode hump on, on mine. I feel that's right. That was a big marker for me. <laughs> Once you get over a hundred, I feel like, okay, now I'm a little more comfortable doing this, but uh, you know, I'd love to learn about your evolution of just hosting the podcast and some things, uh, tips and <laughs> tricks you've kind of learned along the way. Well, first of all, congratulations on hitting the hundred milestone. Uh, Thanks. That is a big one. When we uh, reached that point at, on our show, Find Your Dream Job, we actually rented a, a small space in Northeast Portland and did a live show with about 75 awesome. people. And awesome. we had a band and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a it's a big, uh, big marker. Uh, and I, I think, you know, this, Dan, there there's data out there that shows that most shows, most podcasts rather don't make it past, say, 10 to 15 episodes. Right. It's it, it's called a pod fade. People start out and they are enthusiastic, but doing a show is it's like running a blog or publishing a newsletter. You got to have systems in place and you gotta have to have resources to support uh, uh, publication. And, and in the end, mm -hmm. if you don't have clear goals about what your show is meant to accomplish and how it's going to support your business or your nonprofit organization, it's going to be a lot of work and you're going to think, well, maybe this doesn't make sense. So my, my number one tip, uh, if you're thinking about starting a show would be think about, uh, how the show will help accomplish your organization's, uh, business goals or strategic goals. Yeah. And you said that consistency piece, I mean, is huge. And I, I think, you know, having stepping back, like you said, have more, you know, st strategic plan of why you're doing it and, and things like that, but just keeping at it is, uh, is, uh, one of the hardest parts and being consistent about it, which I've, I've, uh, gone back and forth and being good at. So totally, totally understand. Yeah. Consistency is so important because podcast listening, it's like a lot of media consumption. It's habitual for the, for the listeners. And, People incorporate a show into uh, some kind of routine often, uh, whether it's a daily commute, a visit to the gym, walking the dog. And if you stop producing new content on the schedule that you told your audience to expect, they're going to go somewhere else. And mm -hmm. uh, so that that's why it matters so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, that's the kind of transition to, you know, some of the things you're hearing from your guest and maybe especially, I don't want to go all COVID-19 things, but you know, during this time, as far as the, you know, the state of hiring, um, the state of recruiting and, and people looking for jobs, you, you know, what are some things you can share as, as far from gas and just, you know, your own kind of knowledge running your company? Well, every week I talk to career and HR experts about the nuts and bolts of job hunting and, uh, in you know, when we're recording this in the the spring of 2020, uh, it, this is a tough time. Uh, there's so many people are, are being laid off, and there's a lot of fear and uncertainty out there. Uh, but my guests remind me that uh, companies are still hiring. Certainly not in the numbers they were uh, earlier at the start of 2020, but hiring is continuing. So. I, I think one of the 
most important pieces of advice I've heard my guests share is that if you're doing a search, uh, don't give up, don't stop, recognize that it, it will take longer, uh, perhaps much longer than you expect, but the but companies will are continuing to hire and and uh, uh, and will hire in greater numbers as time goes by. The people who continue to look uh, are going to have an advantage over those who 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 stop and think it's it's not a good use of their time to to do a search right now because things and uh, are are very tough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the un, I always, I've been saying this a lot. It's just the uncertainty that's been really challenging, you know, for me and, and I think for everybody probably. And I would like to kind of get into that as someone who just, you know, runs a business, you know, has employees. You know, how's it been for you? Yeah, I'd love to dig into that. It's challenging, Dan. Uh, I've been running my job board, Max List, uh, uh, as a business now for. A decade before that, I, I uh, shared jobs uh, just as a as a service and as way as a way to network with others and mm-hmm. and to have you know our our business depends on job listings and there's been a dramatic drop in the number of listings uh, in in uh, just just a month's time. So I, I feel that uncertainty. I know my my employees do. They're doing a uh, my my team is doing a terrific job continuing to to share content about uh, what job seekers and and hiring managers might uh, consider doing during this these uncertain times mm-hmm. but it it takes a toll and i think uh, one lesson i've relearned that i've always known is it's when you're in a situation like this it's you need to be candid transparent and acknowledge um the uncertainty and the fear that, that people are experiencing. Yeah. Gosh, that is so important to, to kind of come back to and um, as a leader to, to do that. Right. And I mean, you've, again, you've been through the financial crisis in 2008 and, you know, probably experienced some of, of these lessons of how to communicate to team members and things. Is there anything specifically different you're kind of taking as approach as you know as a leader now compared to like that time or or you know other uh, kind of rough patches as far as in the in the world or economy i think what's different now is the accelerated timeline and i i i you when you reflect back uh on 08 and 09 it took a number of months for those events to play out. And we're seeing uh, today events that might've uh, played out over six months or, or even a year happen in six days or, or even yeah. less time. So that acceleration is, uh, is the biggest change I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would also say I run a public relations company that works with, um, foundations, nonprofits, and and government agencies, Pritchard Communications. And I came to that work after a career in communications uh, with elected officials and public agencies. And I did a lot of crisis communications. And uh, one of the earliest and uh, most important lessons I learned were, were two. One, if you don't know the answer, say so, but talk about the steps you're going to take to find out the answers. And and the second is uh, 
if there's a problem, acknowledge it and then talk about your plan to fix it. And I think both principles apply to what business leaders uh, uh, and any manager it, uh, is is dealing with right now. Uh, you know, it's uh, if if you don't know the answers, tell your your team that, but tell them the process you're going to figure out take to to get those answers and and the plan you're going to uh, and share the plan you have for for fixing the problems because then people can talk about your problem and and or your plan rather. And how to either implement it or improve it or both. Yeah, just like <laughs> it's it's it, 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 it's sometimes easier said than done. I know for some folks because uh, people might have so much you know anxiety about what's going on. But I think that's that's great advice. And as far as like just being in Portland, and um, do you think that's? Uh, I guess I get I'm getting at is you know the the business community here is. I'm seeing it kind of come together and trying to help as much as possible. So I would, I would think that that's alleviate some of that as far as, you know, just who we are as a, a town in terms of business. But you know, I don't know. I see that too. I found colleagues and, and peers in, in the business community and the nonprofit world. We do a lot of work with nonprofit leaders to be very open about sharing their challenges and, and sharing information about, grants and loan programs and and how to deal with very difficult uh, choices regarding staffing and uh, and and budgets and so that's that's been very helpful to me personally and I think in Portland people are very generous about sharing those kinds of ideas and experiences and resources mm-hmm um, what do you think some of the opportunity is as we, we come out of this a little more and, you know, unfortunately some people are, you know, getting a lot of people are getting, you know, laid off or, or furloughed. And, you know, when we come back, there might be all this talent, you know, available on the market that previously wasn't. So as far as from a, uh, you know, hiring perspective for these uh, hiring leaders, you know, what's your thoughts on on managing that when, you know, things do come back, they start open up a lot more, you know, jobs and, um, you know, have this plethora of talent here locally to, to dive into. Well, I, I think that smart hiring managers are staying in touch with the people that they may not be able to hire now, but in the future we will come back. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty long in the tooth, Dan. Um, I'm 61. So I've been through my share of recessions and I know many of your listeners have too. Obviously, this is a very different event that we've never seen anything like this before, but recovery will follow and, uh, and, and there will be opportunities to work with great people again. Um, obviously, something that happens in every recession is many people turn to self-employment and we we do see uh, every time there's a downturn, uh, some people, because they can't find work, decide to to start their own companies and their own businesses. And, uh, and, And so there are people who are thinking about that right now who are building uh, the companies and that we'll be talking about in three, five years, uh, and they're they're starting that process, and and they too will provide opportunities to for and, and and new jobs for others. That's where I'm really optimistic about because if you look, like you said, if I mean I've been through these periods too, and you look at some of the companies that come out of these downturns. I mean, these are some 
companies that really have made an impact and they started out of necessity uh, and one reason or another, but also, um, you know, saw a, a real need. So I'm excited about some of the things that are going to companies and what people are going to do that come out of this and innovate. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that happen. I know in the short term, it might be kind of painful, uh, but there, there is a lot of pain out there. And I, I yeah. speak from personal experience. Uh, I went through two long periods of unemployment myself uh, at different points in my career. So I, I know what it's like to la- cash that last unemployment check. Uh, and I, I have great sympathy for anybody who, and there's so many of us now who are in that situation. Um, yeah. And to your point, it, uh, the point about the companies that will come out of this experience, I started my public relations firm uh, in 07, and I had the contracts in place. It was very small then that allowed me to get through the next few years. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, I'd always been sharing job postings as a way to be of service to others and to network. And I was doing it on my own time. And in the fall of 08, when I started uh, uh, working on my PR firm full-time, it had just been a half-time position uh, uh, until then. I said, well, I don't have time to do these job listings anymore. So I stopped sending them out and because I wanted to focus on building my my PR business and the reason I tell those stories is because then I, I didn't do it for a month and people started calling me and they said, mm-hmm. hey, are you okay? Did something happen? What happened to those job postings? And <laughs> so I had a, a staff person who helped me figure out how to send them out a, in a more efficient way. And out of that came a newsletter before we'd shared these postings with a few hundred people. Then within two years, from 08 to 2010, because we turned it into a weekly newsletter, it went to 4,000 subscribers. Uh, and at that point, it became a part-time job again. And that's when we turned uh, MaxList into a website that charged for postings. And it grew uh, during the last 10 years into a, a company that employs five people. Right. And I mean, it, like you said, it initially started out was it's almost, uh, really in service of you know, getting these jobs out there. And um, so it's funny when you stop, people are like, hey, hey, Mac, what's going on here? This is really valuable. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, love the, I love that story. And I, I think every entrepreneur has a story like that because what it reveals is I was solving a problem and that's what uh, the most successful companies do. Yeah. And, and sometimes, like you said, when you're in the thick of it, you you don't really maybe realize that or or get get down because you're not sure why am I doing this, spending this time. So, I mean, everybody goes through that who have started something. So, it's uh, get that validation. This is really important. And I, I think every employer, too, when they're starting a, a company – they think, well, would someone really pay for this? And I and I, I remember having conversations with uh, people at the time saying, oh, no, people would never pay to post on this site. And the best way to find out is to take the risk and try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great lesson. So, well, Mac, you know, thanks for being on. I really do wish we were in person chatting, but, uh, you know, we have all the tools now to do this remotely and, um, you know, looking forward to just, uh, seeing, uh, seeing you in person down the road and hopefully, you know, looking forward to following your podcast still. And again, it's uh, find your dream job. You it's uh, weekly you're, you're doing it. That's correct. Right. Yes. Every Wednesday and you can find it on all the usual podcast platforms, Spotify, 
iTunes and uh, Stitcher. And uh, we focus again on the nuts and bolts of job hunting. So, uh, and we talk to experts uh, from the Pacific Northwest and, and across the country. Great. Hey, thanks so much, Mac. Thank you, Dan. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.